The Perfectly Generic Podcast contains spoilers, occasional adult language, and Dirk. You've been warned. This show is supported by listeners like you on Patreon. We'd like to thank the following Crocker Tier patrons for their generous support per episode. Isaac Alexander, Fragment Voyager, Riglo, Bokeh Abstrata, Big Boss Did Nothing Wrong, and Alex Laporte. June Egbert is canon, and there's not a damn thing you can do about it. Welcome to the Perfectly Generic Podcast. Uh, I'm Sarah, and with me today is Nell. Hello, Nell. Hello. God, she is, and it's the best. It is the best. It is literally the best thing. (laughs) Yeah. So we're here today to talk about uh, everybody's favorite uncontroversial headcanon that is now just canon. Yeah. Still in our heads, but... Canon, anyway. Give it time. Give it time. Give it time. She is the queen of repressing. Yeah, she really is. Uh, But before we before we jump into that, let's do this week in Homestuck because there's some stuff. There is some stuff. There's some stuff. Uh, The Vriska route came out, and uh, that was good. Uh, It was was a good. It was a good route. It was. It was good. I haven't played it yet. I've been busy. Um, That's fair. I've seen a lot of I've seen a lot of memes. Apparently, you can input your own name at some point, and that sounds uh, pretty pretty great. Yeah, it's uh, it's a good route. Um, there's some really good stuff with like yeah, like you being able to put your name in, and there's a ton, a ton, a ton of like gags that are attached to that. Like there's flavor text based on where you put your stats in this flarp game. The uh, uh, the flavor text for that, I wrote a a, a bunch of it. And well, not a, not a bunch. I'd say like I don't know some. There's like like Pip did some. Andrew Husty did some apparently. So there's a lot of hands on that ball. But there's some jokes in there that I did. And oh, cool! It's good. It's fun. Yeah. The other thing that is more actually this week is that uh, the next Pester Quest routes have been announced. They are Equius and Terezi. I'm I'm gonna be real with you. I yeah. Didn't- I only knew Teresi was coming out. I didn't actually see anything about Equius. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it is Equius. Let's be real. Um, I, I'm i excited. Uh, I guess so. I wrote the Teresi route. You should be excited. That's so cool. I'm very excited. I, I wrote the Teresi route and I have read the Equius route and the Equius route is very good. Uh, it's written by Lalo Hunt. Uh, yep. Or John Hurt, depending on who you ask. John Hurt. <laughs> I I think it's it's a good and the the sprites are for both are by Zam, who oh. does a lot of stuff on Vast Error and has done a lot of stuff for Homestuck Squared, Homestuck Two. So like, I don't know. I the first sketches that I saw of Terezi, I lost my mind. She's so good. She's so She's, cute. She's so good. She's so cute. She's short and stocky and wonderful. And I can't wait to to talk about that at length, which we'll be doing next week. Kate is going to be the guest next week. We're going to have a duel for dominance of this podcast. Oh, dangerous. Dangerous. Very dangerous. Yes. But uh, I think that's it as far as actual Homestuck news, I guess. Yeah, I don't think there's been. I mean, unless yeah. I missed something, which is entirely possible. <laughs> Yeah, I think there's, that's it. There's so much Homestuck happening right now. It is insane. It really is. There's it's it's a lot. It's a, a lot to happen in such a short period of time. 
Like we went from nothing for so long mm-hmm. or like very little or like infrequent stuff. And then suddenly it's just all over the place constantly. It's- oh, you know, I, I, I guess I guess there hasn't been an episode where we've talked about. Yeah, because it was the vast error episode. Yeah. Uh, the other the other bit of news is that there's uh, the act two trailer came out. Oh, for Hive Swap. Right. That happened too. Holy shit. I forgot about so that. So much. Jesus Christ. So much happened. There's so It's like much. we went, yeah, we went from like maybe Hive Swap Act 2 will happen eventually, you know, to oh, there's epilogues. That's neat. Oh, there's Homestuck 2. Oh, there's Pester Quest. Oh, Hive Swap Act 2. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, this past summer was really the dark night of the soul for like enjoying Homestuck content. <laughs> yeah seriously it was it was the longest we were any sort of real update i think was something i heard somewhere i'm probably wrong so don't actually quote me on that mm. but it, yeah. it it felt like forever yeah it really did so let's get on topic here oh right. we're here to, we're here to talk about june and june fic so you and i both have written Fan fiction featuring June Egbert. Yeah. Yeah. Do you wanna do you wanna describe your fic uh really really quickly? Just give a rundown of of maybe yeah. the broad, broad Yeah, and then, and then you can do the same for yours. Yeah. Uh so my my fic is called God Feels, which I wrote the first part of it like in April, but God Feels 2 I did uh over the last like two months. And it's basically John's gender split off from him when he was young and he kinned Vriska so hard that his gender became sentient and brain ghost Vriska essentially. And then coming out involved June basically becoming half Vriska and then wacky hijinks ensue. And by wacky hijinks, I mean, people die. A a lot of painful things happen in, in God feels uh, the, the, the general sort of mission statement is what if we, what if we took all these children who are traumatized and sad and we let them cry? Uh, so everybody cries. That's the, that's the motto of God feels, but, uh, that's, that's so nice. It's so nice. <laughs> and it's so much like, it sounds weird to say like, Oh, that's so pure when I I've read some of God feels and it's a time. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's 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 very personal for me because it, it is very much like the the motivation there is that uh, a lot of June stuff has been so far very positive and bubbly and like hooray I'm I'm June now I get to be me and it's very exciting. But but so much of that stuff is like it doesn't reflect my personal experience. So I wanted to write something that was a little bit more of a harder edge. And like, so when she comes out, everybody has a hard time with it. And then the rest of the fic is sort of her like struggling with that. And then also just being way too powerful, getting on Dirk's bad side. The the latter half of God feels Two basically becomes the war on Dirk, which is fair, but yeah. So Yours is uh, Revelation 23 Years in the Making, yes? Yeah, so Revelation is 23 Years in the Making, which is part of the broader uh, piece of fiction I'm calling an ink bla- uh, the Ink Black Appendices, which is my anti-epilogues. And that the, the, I, the Ink Black Appendices uh, in particular is the story of 
uh, uh, Rose Lalonde from one of the non-canon timelines that is sort of gestured to in um, in the epilogues as like all of the other possibilities. Um, realizing that she's not canon and having an extremely terrible plan to um, to make canon happen. And June happens to be there. Uh, and June's whole whole story is uh, the relations 23 years in the making, which is um, a, a retrospective on my own sort of coming to terms uh, with uh, being trans. It is, the first chapter is currently out. I'm working on the second chapter of it. Uh, and there will be a, um, uh, a third chapter that is sort of an epilogue. And it's sort of, the first chapter entails... Um, John confronting Roxy, who has recently um, come out as um, uh, trans masculine binary and, and sort of these very messy feelings of being jealous of him in a way that he doesn't understand. And Roxy's being hurt because of previous things that have happened between the two of them and sort of slowly realizing that, oh... She's trans. Yeah. And having to like um like coach like or like like trying to put some some dents in the very, very thick egg that is John that is June Egbert. Yes. It is also very uh much a uh a House of Leaves experience. Yeah, somebody on the Discord, I believe, or I can't remember where, uh asked about like if you had heard about Mark Z. Danielewski who's the writer of House of Leaves. And it's like, yeah, it, it does get very House of Leaves. And you've shown me some bits of what comes next and it gets even more so. And that's yeah. very exciting. And that, that that kind of is one of the things that I wanted to hit on is there's, I've read a, a fair bit of like other June fic. And what I find really interesting about it is that there is a tendency, it's by no means universal, but there has been a high prevalence of stylistic experimentation i guess is a way to put it where the the physical text on the screen is itself somehow played with in the story and yours uh 20 uh, revelation 23 has two separate columns one is from uh john's perspective one is from roxy's and the color gradiates based on their mood and and sort of how um, trans they're feeling at a time to guess. Um, yeah, the, the how close they are to quote accepting it is. Uh, I think how I put it. That was I wrote that fic in a night. Like I did not sleep. I just wrote that first chapter. It took me a week and a half to format it. That formatting <laughs> is. I still like you showed me some of the like code and stuff that you have to like make it work and i still don't understand it it's and and it's it's like that with the ink black appendices as well where just like scrolling through like this some of this stuff is just you are you are bending uh archive of our own to your will as as hard as possible you're breaking it i am breaking it uh i will continue to break it until it becomes the point where i can't physically where it won't let me break it anymore and then um, there's like a point where I have, I've written out in Rev 23 where I should, I say, this just has to be a link and it needs to move to a twine game. Mm. Um, because there's no way to do, uh, the sort of things I want to do in it. Um, yeah. 
there's I don't think a lot of people know the specific limitations that uh, Archive of Our Own Formatting has. Um, there's a lot of stuff that it won't let you do. Uh, things like iframes or um, animation, like CSS animation. Uh, it doesn't let you link from other pages, uh, obviously because of security risks. Um, and then it has like a really arbitrary uh, group of tags that you are allowed to use. Um, HTML tags, rather. Right. So having to getting to do getting it to do what you want is sort of a, a exercise in frustration. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. You've you've done a lot of really good work there. Uh, I have it, to. It, I I do have to shout out um, uh, uh, Sam Fakekeeper on Twitter for uh, like putting up with the literally thousands of questions I send her on a fuck daily basis about uh css formatting since she knows uh a lot more than i do about it <laughs> yeah and uh she also sort of flying constantly so thank you again for that yeah she's also just really smart really good writes writes a lot of really good articles like she's even written something about june and it's very good yeah she's brilliant honestly <laughs> yeah but uh and and God feels too, especially towards the end. There's even some like yeah, you have some weird yeah. There's definitely some shit that happens. Like the big thing early on is that in God feels um, narrative control is heavily tied to transness. So when John comes out to herself as June, and like this is after this big internal mind palace confrontation with her Vriska gender and they like unify again, they realize like, Oh wait, I'm, I'm saying like, it's, it's narrated from a you perspective. Like you say this, you say that. And then it's like, wait, no, you, we, I, I say this. Yeah. Yeah. I loved that so much. Yeah. Cause, cause that to me is like very much that, that was like my experience after coming out was like, Oh, I'm, I'm me now. Yeah, I'm no longer somebody observing somebody. Yeah, I'm actually, uh, chapter two has some of that too, where um, the Roxy portion of the, of, the, of the dialogue is all first person now. Um, Roxy gets a first person dream sequence, a first person, and then first person dialogue all throughout. And um, John's side gets, in the, in, in the starting dream sequence, gets this um, like old school you with command system. Um, mm. And then when he wakes up, it's third person, uh, with, interspersed with internal monologues that he's only sort of aware of. And then as um, as the different battling narratives take control of his body, um, it switches between the you and the I. Um, okay. So, yeah, it, there's a lot that happens uh, that I'm very excited to put out, but it's gonna be a while i'm sorry of course yeah no that that <laughs> makes sense the tragedy of, of having a job and also writing fic constantly is that you can't yeah. when you want to do one you usually are kept doing from the doing other. the other kept from doing yeah. the other yeah yeah and like the 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 last chapter of god feels two in particular is more like that where physical space is is used so there's a lot of line breaks uh, i don't get into any of the css formatting i wanted to do stuff like that because i'm i'm a big fan of house of leaves and i am generally a big fan of 
any any like text that plays with the physical boundaries of where the story starts and stops. Like there's the J.J. Abrams, Doug Dorst book S, which is really fascinating. There's also just general perspective splitting, and that leads to less like stylistic experimentation in terms of the kind of thing that 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 you're doing, but it is different kinds of like how uh, the space between words and how they play with each other and like the empathy the, the uh, for, it's the notion that you get while reading um like this sort of the labor that comes from the act of having the words be spaced on the page yes is is emotionally conveyed through the distance between them in like uh what i think is a devastatingly effective way yeah I, I appreciate that. It's it's meant it's meant to be because it's it, that chapter in particular is about living through uh, the ramifications of trauma. And so it is meant to be a very painful chapter. But to, to get away from that, away from like just us describing our own fiction. Uh, oh, wait, you think it's not really interesting to just to hear two people who are super in- excited about their own work talk about it for 20 minutes or whatever? I don't know. People are people are people are weird. I don't know. They're already listening to a podcast about Homestuck. Who oh, knows? Yeah, what I guess these, you're right. Who knows what these kind with these freaks are into these degenerates. I think um, I, I do think, though, it's interesting that June seems to invite this level of existential introspection. Yeah. And I, f- I find that June in that way makes for an interesting foil to Dirk in that a lot of fic that involves Dirk is sti- is like textually experimental in terms of like narrative awareness and self-referentiality. And so there's like this weird pull where one is about identity yeah identity and the other is about like self in a in a like recursive way within a narrative i don't know it's interesting but i'm, I'm curious it, it, if, if you have I, any I, thoughts about like I, yeah I, I i yeah i i see it too there's this um i mean i have some theories as to why it might happen why people are drawn to it in the same way that they're drawn to Jer- dirk is because dirk has always had this layer of complex self-understanding and sort of uh weird internal hangups about how to define uh, oneness. Um, and, and likewise, uh, getting to the core of June, we see that it's like, a lot of it I think has to do with the fact that there is no traditional narrative in, a tran- in, in, in transition. There's not a, it is not, there's no, there's no five-act structure to transitioning. It happens and then it doesn't stop happening ever. Um, yeah, and it's also the act of doing it is profoundly part of break is just just inherently breaks the rules of how society works. So for a character that has been um, to the audience perspective cis for ten years to to finally come out as trans, we are rejecting the format of the narrative itself in doing. We are um, we are we are drawing a attention to that via this introspection if that makes any sense no that makes that makes perfect sense to me for me it it has a lot to do with yeah like the the time of being being a closeted trans person for so long and i think there is a question that i saw somewhere 
that I, 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 it might've been actually just like a comment somewhere uh, that was basically along the lines of why does it have to be so dark? Like right? dark. I, yep. Yep. Oh, I've seen oh, that. Here it is. Yeah, here yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah. From um, uh, Zedicure on, on Twitter. Uh, oh, there's, there's a third tweet now. Do you know why most June stories have such a huge focus on dysphoria coming out and the pain of being trans and less on euphoria and the joys of being trans? This is one of the things that I was responding to, though, is that as far as like art and the most publicly visible part of like the June headcanon was about euphoria. It's so fluffy. It's so fluffy. I've written fluff about it. It is fun to write fluff about it. Okay. But it is that like that completely erases like the like three and a half years of hell I went through to get where I am today. Like that completely erases um, like like I'm here today and I'm happier than I've been in my entire life. But that does not mean I still did not walk through hell to get here. Um, And like the the joy I feel now is greater because of all of the hell I went through. It is a it is it is fun, yes, to write uh, like something small and fluffy, but to really acknowledge what is going to become canon thanks to this Toblerone conspiracy. <laughs> um, we also have to come to terms with the fact that June is going to come out, and it is going to be like like the act of accepting yourself as trans is hard. Um, I've, yes. uh, I described, I, I described to someone the other day, uh, that, uh, if I was being less coy about what, uh, Revelations 23 is about, it is the story of the death of a boy and the girl that takes his place. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and it's, it's sort of why I tackle, I, I decided to, I wanted to get as uh, real. It's why the fix in two two perspectives because i've been on both sides i've been both the 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 elder trans who's trying to like make this person understand while also being hurt by them because they don't really understand it and also on the other side of i don't know why i'm annoyed at you for coming out to me and why that makes me jealous and angry yeah Absolutely. And, and that was my feeling too. Like the, the, there is a wish fulfillment aspect of June in that she, you can, you can look at her and be like, Oh, I wish it would, I wish I could feel that way. Uh, I I wish like seeing so much of that art was like big emotions for me because I've always identified so much with John uh, as, as a character who, you know, repressed everything and yep. refuse to ever think about anything. I, 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 there's just like for for me going into Godfield. So much of it, most of the motivation was I wanted to ex- explore like what I thought would be the more the darker side of that experience because I that's been my experience too. And I think th- this goes hand in hand with like the the experimental aspect of it textually because I think when you're talking about being repressed and being somebody who's very good at compartmentalizing and not thinking about these things, you know, it's very hard to accept your own transness and for 
for for for John, an heir of breath, to finally take a stand and say, no, I'm June, I'm she, her, this is me now. That is that is a huge, 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 uh, to put it in kind of a shitty way, break of character. And the point of that, like to me, this is why the June headcanon was so popular is because it is John's arc. Like it is the perfect place for him to go, regardless of whether it was intentional, like as insofar as we even care about that. Right. I mean, I, I have personal feelings about like what we should, how much we should give credence to Canon in the first place, especially now. Um, Yeah. And I've really enjoyed reading some of the, the harder fic that comes out because it is always written from a personal perspective. And I know my transition was different. Your transition is different from person C's transition is different. Like there's, there's no, there's no one way to transition. There's no, there is no normal journey for a trans person. Yeah. And, and, and so all of these fics that actually get to come to, to terms or, or recontextualize their own experience with, with coming out and with gender is like beautiful like honestly it is uh it's it's fantastic and it's so interesting because i mean i think i think and you've probably come come uh come across it as well while writing her um or john at least is that uh this boy will find any excuse to fucking not thinking think about a thing that absolutely and like it was. It's like that's my problem. Writing chapter two right now is it is so easy for him to just go. I'm going to watch TV and sit down and try my best to not think about anything. But it's like you you can't do that. Like you know you can't do that. You'll just break down again. But I have yeah. to get you to move. You have to come to terms with it on your own merit. Is um, my own. That's that's Revelations twenty three. And I'm interested to see where how how my June is different from your June. Um, yeah. And I think it will also be interesting because I'm also doing something interesting with June's name. Like you use the Vriska quirk in uh, June Egbert uh, yeah. as, as your own June. And I'm doing something similar. Um, I'm not right. going to say what or how yet, but. Yeah. And I think it's important to do that because these are distinct versions of that character. And I think that, yeah, this is. It's like John was always intended, quote unquote, to be the the self insert protagonist, more or less. Like he has he has a very distinct character, and I think he's like people people sleep on him a lot as as somebody who is uh, a defined person. But in a general sense, like compared to everybody else, he's a pretty like bland kid. He's it's I, I wouldn't call him I would call him maybe yeah, not, not bland, bland, but it is very easy for a uh, a. Uh, uh, a variety of um, complacent white boys to uh, to to erase John Egbert and stick themselves in instead. Yes, yeah, and 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 that is maybe why they are um, not a fan of June being a thing, or maybe maybe not maybe not not a fan, but maybe like critical or skeptical of June, yeah not, of June being a thing because it requires them to actually confront John Egbert as a character. Yes. That changes throughout the story instead of yeah. a blank spot to put your own face. 
Yeah, and I think even still, like June is compelling as a as a character to write because she is somebody that you can reflect onto. Like as a breath player, she she is malleable and and easy to fit in different kinds of situations, and so that makes her an interesting foil, not foil, just just an, like a, she's an interesting mirror is what she is. And so a lot of June fic is very different because of that. Like everybody is bringing their own experiences to the table. And I think it's really telling that a lot of it, there are a lot of trans people who are really, really compelled and moved by it. And then just today I made the mistake of, uh, going through a couple of uh, different places just out of curiosity and seeing people being like, this is boring and I don't get it. And I don't understand why people like it. And it's like, yeah, no, that's fair. It's not, it's not for you. It's, it's fine. not for you. Yeah. And I also like, I, I have a, I have a whole thing about like boring as a, as a criticism. I, I like art that's boring sometimes like a style, which does not, which fails to entertain you in a conventional way is not a bad style. That's that's my hot take, but that's yeah. I mean that's that's actually a really interesting way of looking at it because I don't know I I think boring isn't a useful criticism because you're not actually saying anything about no you're it. not absolutely you're, you're, not what you're doing is you're saying I didn't like it and for for some reason that did not it did not light a fire in me and that just means that you haven't analyzed why you didn't like it enough more than anything else. Because, yeah. I mean, I'll say my writing has flaws. Uh, like, all art has. I mean, good all, art, all art is flawed. Good, good art is flawed. Yes. But, but yeah, there's, there's like corporate art, which is, ah, this, look at this technical marvel of, of artness. Look at how, I don't know. I'm sorry, guys. I just got back from working video games all day. But look at all of the polygons we have. Look at how lovingly we rendered the blood coming out of this man's face. Oh, this is this is exactly why I I, I don't like. Uh, I've, I've I've soured on a lot of AAA games, but the big like push for me was Red Dead Redemption Two. Oh my god! The, the that that's a game like I played the first three hours of it. I I intended not to buy it, but a friend got me got it for me for a birthday gift. I want to say I can't. I, no, it would have been Christmas, I guess. I I played the first couple hours of it, and it really frustrated me because it seemed really obvious how this was a game that was designed to look exceedingly pretty and eat a, so much of your time that you had no choice but to think that it was a good game. <laughs> yeah, that is. And I, I feel like that's the AAA like, thing, is put as many man hours into making things as dazzling as possible so that you have to praise it for that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, holy shit, not to derail the podcast, but the, games that I've been, the game that I've been playing recently, um, uh, The Outer Worlds, is great, partially because it is kind of a mess. Um, I mean, it's yeah. it's good and interesting, but it is also messy and um, like the mechanics aren't always thought out perfectly and the characters' faces sometimes look weird and I love it. I love it because it's like, mm, give me that sweet imperfection, actually. Well, yeah, it's stuff like that that makes those games memorable, I feel like. I don't know. The flaws are, flaws, flaws are memorable. Yeah, Fallout wouldn't be as well received if it was actually a game that worked, is what I'll say. Yeah. Let's get to some questions. Yeah, let's get to some other questions. Uh, Prom sends in, 
Both of these fics show how char- uh, show characters dealing with existential fears of both fantastical and brutally realistic sorts, with a focus on how people's perceptions and justifications can hurt their friends. Uh, even when these ideas are applied to other aspects of the plot, do you think these ideas reflect the real-world views of self-forged identity, both translated or not? And I believe Prum is specifically um, talking about IBA um, for yeah. me, because mine, that has to deal with a lot more about existential fears rather than personal identity fears. Um, but I know for, uh, for God feels those are sort of one and the same. Yeah. I, I think that, that, I mean, to be trans is to reckon with your own existence. Taking control of your own identity is accepting that you had the like is is an acceptance of your own existence in the world, which is um, something you actually don't have to accept to live. And I did a very I did for a long time, just not really uh, consider the fact that I had a physical presence in the world that I lived in. Yeah, it's I think um, it's easy to think of like like a, a an unfinished existence as normal i don't know one of the things that i say in in god feels too is like you thought you were fine because you didn't have any other word for it and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah wow yeah uh and it's really easy to be okay um but it's actually really hard to be good like yeah actually, i'm good i think like with with self-forged identity that's kind of one of the 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 like structural foundations of homestuck itself is struggling against a series of systems that are asking you to forge yourself in a very specific way you know like spurb is creating custom made heroes journeys for everybody well it's really more like cookie cutter well, yeah, journey. that's the it thing. It just sort of drops on you, just like. Well, yeah, yeah they're that, they're that they're works. like, yeah, they're roguelike uh, heroes' journeys. They're the most basic thing as possible. They're not really all that deep, and I think there is an interesting element to Homestuck where you are. You can read so much of Spurb as the society in which we live which is imposing narratives upon us and asking us to to be a certain way or trying to mold us to be a certain kind of person and the moral of the comic is that the only way to really win is to break out of those and find yourself outside of those confines like the the, the general idea is like like spurb has taken the true thing which is you need to find yourself in order to grow and improve and be a better person and be like more effective as um, a God. <laughs> but they, but it's like quantified it and commodified it to an extent and like made it inorganic. And the only way to actually win is to break out of that and like, like throw away functional fixedness and become who you want to be for yourself. And so I think like, we're seeing now a time of lots of transgender headcanons coming into prominence. And I think there's a, a real textual reason for that. It's also interesting to see what type of people, what, what type, what, which characters get trans headcanons now yeah. as opposed to before. Um, Cause I mean, in my experience, the trans headcanons I ran into um, in, in fandom back in when, back in like 2014 or whatever it used to be this character is trans but they've been trans the whole time and we never have to consider the fact 
trans. Yeah. And and we're getting now characters that are well, hold on. What if we read this character as going to trans? Yes. As opposed to the past having been tra- having are as uh, like a transition like been there done that, which is by the way not a not the way transitioning works. You sort of always doing it. Sometimes it just gets a little easier to always be doing it as yes. it goes. Yeah. It it is it is interesting how that has changed and I think that has a lot to do with the, the culture we're living in now and how our, our perspective on trans people has changed and I think it's changed in a uh generally uh positive way. Oh, there's one thing that I wanted to get to where uh and I, we don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but you brought up that the your Ink Black Appendices series in general is sort of like a response to the epilogues or like you, you call it like the anti epilogues. And what's interesting is that God feels too, in particular kind of became that I had no intention of it becoming any sort of response to the epilogues because I, I don't, I, I'm not the, the critic of the epilogues that a lot of people are. I have my own issues with them, but it sort of became like, I incorporated ideas about the, uh, about like narrative control, but over time, it kind of asserted itself as it's as like an alternative to the epilogues where it's like it takes place some nebulous amount of time before the epilogues. And it's basically like because of June's Vriska gender, Vriska shows up and basically says, nah, we're doing it this way instead. But I'm curious, like, what what is it about the epilogues that you're responding to? Um. Oh, oh, there's a lot. Um, oh, I'm sure. Uh, I mean, uh, it is it is specifically uh, a refutation of the concept of canon and uh, the mm. tenets of canon. Um, the obsession with um, being and and I see this a lot in in our reality. Um, like a thing will uh, a terrible thing will happen on the news, and there will be a retweet, and it goes, "We are living in the darkest timeline," or something. Uh, mm. The idea that like we're not, you know, all, like we are in the wrong place and there is something that we should have done a while ago to make it better. And IBA is Rose Lalonde going, we are in the darkest timeline. I guess I'm going to go do a terrorism now. Cause that's what happens in the epilogues. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, Basically among other things. Right. Um, and as, as it goes, it, it becomes a concept of the idea of, what is stopping you from writing your own Homestuck 2? What is, what is keeping you from saying, no, this is canon now? Like we, we did with June. Or, yeah. I mean, your, what you do in Godfields with, with Jade. Like, no, this is canon now. This is my canon, and people will come and people will read it. Yeah. J.R. Hyde on the Discord. Uh, asks like what 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 pumpkin appears to be presenting the epilogues in Homestuck two as fan works that are not necessarily any more canon than any fan fiction written by any given fan. How is the act of writing and sharing fanfic different in an environment like this where things might be considered no less canon? Uh, but the more interesting aspect of the question, I think, is like to what extent do you think that what pumpkin's apparent effort to place their work on relatively equal footing with any other fan work will succeed? I I have I have my own thought on this where like in terms of th- there's always going to be people who say this is this is official this is what pumpkin this is what's canon and 
even with the epilogues, it's like, yes, it's formatted like AO3 and it is explicitly like meant to look like a fan fiction, but it's also hosted on homestuck.com, which no yeah, other that's fan what I was going to say. Is that yeah. it's, it's sort of hard. Like, like you can put as many overtures in there as well. You can hire fan writers and you can hire um, and you can read heavily from fan works and have it be influenced by uh, by the theories and um, wills of fandom. But Homestuck 2, as it stands, is still the only official continuation that has been that is that is blessed by the author. And the whole thesis of, of IBA is uh, I don't give a shit, actually. I I love the work. I'm really excited to see. I don't give a shit. Um, yeah, that it's canon, so to speak, that uh, that the only way for that to happen is for other people. I think that that is the only way for that to happen is for other people to say, no, I have other ideas for how what happens to these characters or what these characters do next. And I'm going to show that. Yeah. Uh, whether it be through fan ventures, through fanfic, through filk, through whatever, like write a song that'll that can be that can be your canon. <laughs> it doesn't have to be any particular thing. And yeah, this is this is something that I think with between the what with the what Homestuck 2 is doing, what Pester Quest is doing, what the Epilogues did, there is this heavy emphasis on getting the reader to question the concept of canonicity in a general sense. And I don't think that the work itself can ever release itself of the baggage of this is official what pumpkin stuff, but it has started a conversation. It's what got me writing fic. Yeah. It, it, it is, it is certainly gotten me thinking more about like, what is canon? What isn't? Why does the question matter? And I find myself getting exhausted by a lot of conversations of people trying to work out like strict timelines and any number of things uh, that are like, well, how is it that in Pester Quest we've seen her sprites? How is she overweight here? But we see her. Oh my god! On, shut on the fuck the, up. <laughs> I, <laughs> it's like well, it's like the, the I sprites. Haven't even, are, I haven't even seen this this these comments, and I immediately am exhausted by them. Yeah. Well, I was kind of anticipating it because I wrote her as like I want I want her to be a little bit stocky, but it's it's yeah. I have it's been the 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 incredible minority of people that have said anything to that effect. Most people are like super psyched, and I'm really glad about that. But I, I I've seen mostly excitement, but I also have not checked the um the the usual spot to find um, <laughs> negativity negative opinions. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not, yeah I, I'm not naming names. I'm not naming names. No, 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 no. no but I have, I have checked, and there is some, but we will not get into it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, again, I, the thing that I see a lot is people um, being um, annoyed or disappointed in the idea that uh, that homestick is not open enough. That it's not, it's not given itself fully enough to the fans. And 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 again, a lot of that comes from the fact that you feel disenfranchised. Um, but you can literally pick up a, a you can you can you have a keyboard in front of you because you're tweeting right now. Uh, you can use that keyboard to open up uh, Google Docs, which is free, by the way, um, and write some words and put it on AO3. And, and now you are also creating and you are using the characters that Homestuck provided you and the framework that Homestuck provided you um, yeah. to make your own Homestuck. I, I, I don't know. I know a lot of people don't want to write or create and sometimes they're just happy to enjoy in that case that's great enjoy but for those people who feel like but there's something but i want to see this you can you can actually do that you can fake that yeah. i 
uh, I a couple of weekends ago, I went to the live show, which was lovely. It was. Um, and I met up with the people who write Vast Error. Um, mm-hmm. And nothing made me realize how powerful the ability to just say, fucking, I'm making my own goddamn canon was then talking to them because they were just like, yeah, it's completely, it's a completely different thing. We're a completely different thing. Uh, I mean, yeah, we're a Homestuck fan venture, but we're completely different. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's really, it's compelling. And I think like the fact that I hadn't really written any fiction for years before doing Godfields says a lot about like, so often when I do like my YouTube videos, I find myself exhausted after doing them because I spent so much time editing every aspect of them. When I finished God Feels 2, after like writing 60,000 words over the course of a week then... That scares I, me. That, that, I gotta I, say, no, it's, it, it, you no, it, like, <laughs> we were talking at the live show and you were like, yeah, it was like 60,000 words in a week. I'm like, how did you sleep? I didn't. <laughs> That's so scary. You're so was, powerful, Sarah. Oh, I, I, I don't know if I, I could do... I don't know how I did it. I genuinely don't know how I did it. And I, I, it's not the, the, the way that I survived is not something that I would encourage anybody to do. But um, being, being possessed by the spirit of Homestuck is an intense experience. And usually you don't get a lot of sleep while it happens. No, no. But like the thing is, after I finished it uh, and I, I, I needed to finish it because in part, like I needed to then get to work on the Terezi route, but also because... I, I just like, I I have other shit that I need to do. And I was, you know, whatever, but I felt not exhausted at all. I wanted to write more. And within, within a week, I had come up with like five or six different like spinoff ideas that I wanted to play with, which, uh, gets to another question from Prum, uh, uh, both of you have expressed interest in adapting uh, or continuing your fix in alternate formats like audio, visual, novel, art, etc. And uh, what do you think is gain or lost when transforming prose into something else? Um, I don't know to what extent you've thought about. Oh, doing uh, stuff. a lot. I am. Uh, I think I've mentioned this on Twitter, so I can say it now. I have. Uh, I am planning a fan venture, but it's not a thing that it will be coming out soon. It is, it is a a thing that will be happening whenever I finish IBA. Yeah. But, um, one of the things that I've always wanted to do is, um, change what a fan fiction can be, which means I've considered things like to like commissioning Gumi to write uh, a song for a chapter and just finding a way to get it to autoplay when you, get to a certain page in the fic. Yeah. Um, like, like add it to add to the experience, stuff like that, just to really like, just to weird fiction. Yeah. I really like that. I have so many ideas. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the problem. There's always so many ideas and it's, so you write, little you write time. Like 500 words of fi- you write 500 words of fic, then you have to go do something else. And in the time you are doing something else, you have thought up 800 more ideas for, yes, for fic. Absolutely. Like the, the continuation stuff that I've thought about, uh, somebody did a, a sprite edit of John's Pester Quest sprite to make th- make him look like June from from Godfields, which she's like a I've punk rocker. That. I've seen that. It's so good. It's it's really good, and it was so good that it made me be like, actually, I think I want to do like a a visual novel version of Godfields. 
I, I want I want to do that. If I do that, it would be uh, there's no way it would be an adaptation of any of the existing things because it would be way too long. I don't want to just reuse all the same stuff that I've already written, but it's something that would happen a ways down the line because, of course, that involves getting a bunch of other sprites. And that's not right, a thing yeah. that I want to do necessarily being like, hey, do you want to make art for me for free? Not about that. Nope. But uh, the other big one is I'm planning to do like Podfic, a Podfic adaptation of the whole Godfeel series, which I'm hoping to get that started soon. I really need to. I need to start auditioning people. Oh, that sounds so good. Yeah, it, I, I have I have a couple people lined up and I'm very excited for it. That sounds great. Yeah, and that will actually be uh, exclusively on the the intermission feed. That's a patron only thing for for PGen. Whenever that happens, it probably won't happen this year. And then there's like other sort of spinoff things that I'm really curious about. Like I want to do Silverbark fiction, which you don't know what that means if you haven't read it. But as far as like what gets lost, which is more the the meat of that question, I've thought about this a lot with the podfic adaptation where I know there's a lot of things that I'm going to have to change because a lot of the, there's, there's, there's a lot of humor that comes from, especially like June adapting Vriska's quirk. There's a lot of humor that comes from, uh, in particular, whenever Roxy is around Roxy jokes, like about, about how many exclamation marks she uses (laughs) and where she's like, Roxy is drunk and she's she she puts eights in random places and she says, hey, I'm trying on your quirk. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it I, and I just like the, the, those jokes I really enjoy, but they're very much like this is a written medium, you know, and they they don't necessarily translate. Yeah, there's I I've had I, I would I don't think I'd be able to translate um, like Revelations 23 specifically to uh, yeah. uh, uh, <laughs> an audio medium unless. Unless you had the the John uh, column in one ear and the Roxy column in the oh, other ear. Oh, <laughs> no. That's some Jean-Luc Godard shit. I hate that. No, that's the thing. Like, what is the audiobook version of House of Leaves? Uh, there isn't one for a Exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. But, but even even IVA, which is a more straightforward traditional narrative, has, like, jokes where um, – Terezi says something about uh, there being like a 34-page rule book for sex, and and Jane responds, an EA page rule book, um, which I thought was very funny. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's, there's a lot of there's a lot of little jokes like that in Godfields too, and it's like because the quirks are quirks are a great, and I love I, I actually really love toying with them, and b oh, stupid as shit. Yeah, and and you can actually have your cake and eat it too. Yeah. Yeah. And so when it comes to like what what gets lost, yeah, I don't know. There's there's a spirit that will stick around, but there's some of the humor that I'll have to either just swallow my pride and say or or even just like adding like emojis into things. Like, how do you do that audio wise? Yeah, it's I don't know. Yeah, you just you just have them go like, nah, (laughs) or whatever. (laughs) I don't know. Are there any other final questions that you wanted to get to? Uh, let, me, let me take a check and look. Um, uh, I'm going to take part of a question from at dog X Machina on Twitter, uh, which is if uh, if you could have if you could make sure one message was given to all hopeful fanfic writers, what would it be? 
And uh, the answer is uh, just just do it. Like, mm-hmm. stop stop thinking about it because if you think about it too much, you won't do it because you'll have too much. You'll you'll be too afraid to start. Just sit down, write something small, and put it online. Like like five hundred words. Like just your yeah. first thing. Just get it out there because once you do that, you like puncture the first hole in the dam. And eventually that dam's going to burst and all of the, everything's going to happen. Like you're just yeah. going to start writing more. Like you just have to do it once. Yeah. Uh, don't worry about if it gets seen or if people are going to like it. Don't worry about how good it is. Just do it. And don't feel guilty for writing fan fiction specifically. Fan and don't feel is, guilty for being indulgent either. For yeah, God's no. sakes. It is, it is, you should be having fun writing it. Or yes. experiencing some sort of catharsis. Um, yeah. If you're not having fun, I think you're probably doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, like, even for as traumatic as, as God feels as, as a narrative, I had a lot of fun writing it. Oh, I, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, that, that, that's, that's basically my thought, too, is, like, don't worry about making it good. Make it what you want. Put it out there. And if it's not good, if people don't like it, fuck them. Keep going. I started, I got my start writing a Legend of Zelda fanfic like 15 years ago and no one remembers it. It it, it probably doesn't even exist anymore. And like, who cares? I, I, it's so easy to be precious about the things that you make. And I, my thing with God feels was I tried explicitly not to think about it too much where part of the reason why I allowed myself the indulgence of writing so much in such a short period of time is I knew as I always do if I if I thought about it too much if I tried to plan it out too much all the energy would leave and I wouldn't be able to write anything anymore because I I can't plan it if I plan it then it like it loses its potential and I just sort of like it just falls apart although I will say for writing long fic you might want a little bit of an outline oh yeah no like I had ideas of what I wanted to do I knew kind of a general direction but like I had no intention of Vriska coming in and being like a major part of the narrative I had no intention of June becoming like half Vriska is just that when Vriska showed up, she just kicked the door in and said, no, this is mine now. And she started writing it. And like, I didn't intend Dirk to become a major character. And then he showed up and he said, I don't like that June exists. I need her to die. And so I had to keep writing it so that that didn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) I I can feel that too, because I wrote uh, the first chapter of Revelations 23. I posted it and immediately started writing the second chapter. Um, I said one line about Rose Lalonde in the second chapter, just idly at one point. Um, and immediately I stopped writing the second chapter and wrote the first chapter of uh, IBA, like yeah. the next day, uh, without any, any impetus. I did not expect it to get anywhere. And then it sat, and then, then the first chapter of IBA sat in my head and continued to mutate and grow like a festering, cancerous growth until it consumed my entire brain and is now all I'm capable of thinking about. Uh, one, one last bit of advice that I would offer for people who are trying to write Homestuck fanfic is like, as far as characterization, I would say, don't worry about it too, too much. Um, for me, a lot of understanding how to write a character comes from their quirk. I love writing quirks and I have a hard time getting into character. Like with writing Terezi, I can't, a lot of people use like text uh, conversion where you write the text, whatever, and then you drop it there and then you 
copy paste it back. I have to do that with Gamzee because Gamzee is infuriating to write. But for Terezi, uh, I, I I type out the the uh, the the one three four myself because me too, me too. I can't get into her head without doing that because she speaks so deliberately. It's, and I it's tend- for every character too. Yes, even like the characters, like the humans who have like sort of more subtle quirks, like. Mm-hmm. Writing Dirk is a very different feeling than writing Rose, who yes. I've written a lot of. Absolutely, um, absolutely. And, and writing and writing Jane is different from both of them, and also different from John, but weirdly closer to John than uh, yeah. to Dirk. Yeah, they, they 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 have such a weird, they have such different feelings. Yeah, it's the dumbest word, like some real dumb words with Jane too. Jane has some oh, dumb yeah. words. She says, "Yeah, just yeah, dumb words." And, and Jake too. I, Jane yeah. and Jake, dumb words. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's really like there's different. The, uh, it's it's as simple as like you know with with Dave. It's like he just talks and he won't stop. Um, with oh. Terezi, she 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 never says I guess or I don't or I think or anything. She's very certain and she. Uh, she likes to throw in violent asides. Uh, Vriska is very like inconsistent in her quirk and she's very subjective, which makes her very hard to write, but she's just like really excitable or like in order to get into the head of somebody like uh, Aridin, you just got to pretend that you're a racist piece of trash and that you want to kill minorities. And that's our show. Wow. That's a way to end it. That is a way to end it. Look, I can't go. I can't look. I just want people to hate me. That's all I want. No, I don't. Look, if you like Aridin, fine. Did you hear that, Kate? You're allowed to like Aridin. You're allowed to like your awful garbage fish person. You know what? Fuck fuck the fishes. <laughs> Eat sushi. That's my <laughs> Let's get sushi is the Altarian equivalent to eat the rich. And with that, that's our show. That's our show. You can find us on Overcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and more and at pgenpod.com or at pgenpod on Twitter. PGN will be live from Staten Island in New York City on December 5th with Gumi, Optimistic Duelist, Pip, and of course, Kate Mitchell. RSVP and get tickets at pgenpod.com slash live. Music for this show was by President for Life of the Perfectly Generic Music Team, Gumi. You can find links and more to their music in the description. You can support this show on patreon.com slash pgenpod. Patrons get access to 13 and counting bonus episodes of a little side podcast called Intermission. Your support is shared equitably with everyone who makes each episode possible. And at the end of the show, we like to thank our Skylark tier patrons for their support. Max May, Isaac Chapman, Lily Bloom, Jay Logan, Conduit of Queerness, Mage of Life, Rose Rorden, Zach, Bucky Grant, Yo Joseph, J.R. Hyde, Vrist Communism, X-Teen, Krista, Carmen, Finn Hickley, Paravalex, Tinakel, Hare, Ginger Slap Notion, Jamie Tomes, Luke Beeman, Danny LaLanders, I Think You're Pretty Cool, Taylor Dirks, BQ, Dervich B, Ghost Rally, Serena Game Girl McCarthy, Locri, Alexander Strider, Gripping Travers, Quartz Criminal, Raspberry Heaven, Nat the Moth Prophet. Gosh, that's a lot of names. Next week on Perfectly Generic Podcasts, 
Kate Mitchell will be around. We're going to talk about the Vriska route and the Terezi route, and we're going to beat each other up for narrative dominance of this podcast. And then on intermission, uh, Kate and Chelsea will be together to talk about Pester Quest. So there's going to be a lot of Pester Quest conversation coming up. So, uh, so Nell, where can people find your stuff? You can find my Twitter at Nellcromancer, and the Ink Black Appendices actually has its own Twitter now, at Ink Appendices. That's Ink and then Append and then Ice. And the lighter S. I know it's not the easiest fucking name to say. Uh-huh. That's where you can find my garbage. It's actually very good. Please read it. It's yeah. It's not garbage. It's it's extremely good. I've been told. Yeah. It is very. It is very good. Don't self denigrate. It's good. You put a lot of work into it. Uh, oh, listen. It can be great and also garbage, like junk food. Anyway. <laughs> What about you, Sarah? Yeah. You can find me on Twitter at HMSNoFun. Links to all of my stuff are there. I do a YouTube show called Let's Talk About Stuff. And I have my, my fan fiction is called God Feels. And on AO3, you can find me. Uh, just search Sarah Zedig. So that's our show. Thank you so much, Nell, for showing up and being here and having this wonderful conversation. And thank you all for listening. And we'll see you next week. Bye.